This morning, uh, we'll be reading from Jeremiah chapter 1. And uh, Jeremiah is a really long book of prophecy. And we're going to be spending some time in the, well, the, the entire month of September. We're going to be reading and studying the book of Jeremiah together. So we'll kind of hit the biggest highlights from the whole book. But anytime you're reading a prophet, especially, you got to start with the beginning. And a lot of times the prophets will have the story of their calling to being a prophet at the beginning of the book. And so what we'll read this morning is Jeremiah's call. This is chapter 1. Uh, starting with verse 4, and I think it'll be on the screen. Yep, it's on the screen behind me already. So you can follow along there, or on your phone, or the Bible in front of you, or whatever. Jeremiah says, The Lord's word came to me. Before I created you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I made you a prophet to the nations. Lord God, I said, I, I don't know how to speak because I'm only a child. The Lord responded, don't say I'm only a child. Where I send you, you must go. What I tell you, you must say. Don't be afraid of them because I'm with you to rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand, touched my mouth, and said to me, putting my words in your mouth. This very day I appoint you over nations and empires to dig up and pull down, to destroy and demolish, to build and to plant. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And may God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation. May God give us wisdom and courage as we try to apply the truth of This little book is called Let Your Life Speak by Parker J. Palmer, and I've probably given more copies of this book away than any other book I've ever owned. I, I don't know how many times I've given it away or how many times I've loaned it to somebody and gone trying to find it and have to buy a new copy. Uh, it's a lot. Um, it's a tiny little book. It's only, uh, you know, 100 or so pages, but it is full of wisdom. And, Palmer's main point in this book is that our life should speak, hence the title, Let Your Life Speak. And he says our vocation is our voice, and that our voice, the, the words voice and vocation come from the same root word, and you know you found your vocation when your life feels like you can speak, when it's not closed off and tied up by whatever it is that you're doing. And I just want to say this morning that whatever work it is that you do to earn a living, doesn't necessarily have to be your vocation. Some people have a job, but then their vocation is something else. And that's perfectly fine. You may have a job that pays the bills so that you can actually do your vocation of being to let your life speak and then let your life pour out into the world in a way that shows your love of God and shows the love of other people. But I wanted to read to you the opening part of this book, and it's a poem that is kind of, uh, I think about this poem a whole lot, really. It's by William Stafford, and the title of it is Ask Me. Sometime when the river is ice, ask me mistakes I've made. Ask me whether what I have done is my life. 
Others have come in to slow, come in their slow way into my plot. Some have tried to help or to hurt. Ask me what difference their strongest love or hate has made. I will listen to what you say. You and I can turn and look at the silent river and wait. We know the current is there, hidden, and there are comings and goings from miles away that hold the stillness exactly before us. What the river says, that is what I say. Sometime when the river is ice, ask me mistakes I have made, ask me whether what I have done is my life. In this book, Palmer tells the story when he went to a college to lead a workshop for professors at the college. One of the things that he really focuses a lot of his energy on is building up teachers, and he goes to a lot of teacher conferences and helps them see that the work they're doing really, really does matter. And so he was at a university leading a workshop on teaching. And early on, when he got there, he was warned about a particular professor that we call Professor X, or he calls Professor X. And the other colleagues of Professor X said, this guy's a really big curmudgeon and he's gonna complain about everything and then he'll show up to the workshop most definitely because he was told to, but he's only probably going to show up to try to debunk whatever Parker Palmer was saying. You know anybody like that? Have those people in your life? And as the workshop began, Palmer asked the teachers to tell the group about a mentor, someone who had taught them how to teach. The teachers related a lot of stories, and some of them were really moving. And after several people had gone, Professor X began to speak. But it wasn't in the grumpy and cranky tone that his colleagues were used to hearing him speaking. It was a voice full of sadness and regret. He confessed that for 20 years, he had been trying to mimic his mentor's teaching style. And the results had been disastrous. His teaching wasn't working because he was trying to be someone that he was not. 20 years into his career, it was just starting to dawn on this professor. What he was doing was not his life. Ask me whether what I have done is my life. I think as we go through the prophet, the book of Jeremiah, we're going to find that that's a question that dogged him throughout his entire life. Whether he was doing what was his life. And I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing for us to be concerned about. Because if we're concerned about it, then most certainly we're at least living part of what we're supposed to be living out. If we have no concern about it, then I think we should be concerned about whether we're living our life. Now, I don't know exactly when Jeremiah re realized this calling that he had had. I, I know people who are in the midst of the work that they're doing and then realize, oh, kind of my whole life was setting me up for this work. And it's possible that Jeremiah late in his life was recalling this experience, that he felt God calling him to do something and to say something and to be something, but he was like, I can't do that. I'm just a kid. He's recalling back to that and realizing that God was saying, no, don't say that. Say what I tell you to say. Go where I tell you to go. Be who I tell you to be. Now, 
I don't think many of us in the room have been appointed as prophets to the nations. I don't think many of you are supposed to pull down and tear, tear down entire leadership of entire nations. Right? Anybody? Oh, Shannon made it down. <laughs> but that was Jeremiah's call. And Jeremiah prophesied in a time that things were really, really unstable. See, the people that he was prophesying to had forgotten who they were. They had forgotten what their life was about. The leaders of their nations had been captured and put in exile, and so they had no real leadership. And on top of that, they were only used to worshiping God in specific places and in specific ways. And those places had been torn down, and so they didn't know what they were supposed to do or how they were supposed to do it. They had forgotten who they were. So Jeremiah prophesies and is trying to get them to wake up and remember who it is that they are. The people needed a prophet. And God called Jeremiah to be that prophet. And so as Jeremiah lives into his calling to be a prophet, we'll see that he enables people to live into their calling. To be the people of God regardless of where they are. I hope that the prophet Jeremiah enables us to live into our calling to be the people of God wherever we are and under whatever circumstance we find ourselves. It's, it's kind of easy for us to sit back and put people like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Hosea and Micah and all of these prophets up on a pedestal. I mean, after all, they are prophets and they are mentioned in the Bible. And as you read through this book, you'll find that Jeremiah is kind of like that professor who was a curmudgeon. Man, he complains a lot. And I know none of you do that. And so I don't think you'll find any kind of way of relating to Jeremiah based on how much he likes to complain. But I do hope that we find that we are called just as Jeremiah was called. We're called to a lot of different things. We're called to things in this church and within this community, and we're called to things outside of this church and the community that exists outside of this church also. I happen to be called to pastor churches, and some of you may be called to that exact same work, and you may have been fighting that your whole life. I just want to say now that if you are a person who somehow within you feels like, maybe I've been called to be a pastor of some sort, talk to me. It doesn't matter if you're nine years old or 109 years old, we'll figure out a way for you to live into that calling. There's an old seminary professor who used to say that when you know you're being called to something and you fight it, it's just like having a, a stomach bug. You can fight it as long as you want, but eventually you're going to throw up. And when you do, you'll feel a lot better. That's the same with being called to any type of ministry, trust me. Some of us have been called in this church to work with youth and preschoolers, or some have been called to work with older adults. Some have been called to attend to the church's physical facilities, and for them, we're incredibly grateful. 
Some have been called to work with church finances. Some are called to work not only in our church community, but outside the church as they work with homeless people and hungry folks and, and refugees and asylum seekers. Some are called to be really good accountants and bankers and incredible teachers and doctors. And some are called to be moms and dads and grandparents and neighbors. Yesterday, here at this church, we had the opportunity to celebrate the life of our friend Johnny Laird. And many of you knew Johnny, and a lot of you in this room didn't know Johnny, but Johnny sat at the very back of this church on the far inside aisle at the, at the 11.15 service. And I realized yesterday that Johnny lived his calling, I guess, through his whole life. Because as I heard story after story after story about him, the stories were, you never saw Johnny that he didn't smile at you, and it seemed genuinely he smiled. And you couldn't, and this is the God's honest truth, you could not walk through those doors at the 1115 service without him yelling at you. And it wasn't yelling at you, it was like yelling to you. I would sometimes try to play a game, and I wonder if I could get past Johnny without him seeing. So every time, hey, pastor, come here. And I would walk over there and I'd say, Johnny, how are you doing? It's pretty good for an old, old man, but I'm going to get over it. <laughs> In his old age, he still lived his calling. Our basic calling is different than Jeremiah's, but it's the same as Jeremiah's. Our basic calling is to follow Jesus wherever Jesus may lead us to go. And how do you know where Jesus is leading you to go? Pay attention. Opportunities present themselves. You live life to the fullest. You say yes. When you get invited to do something, if it's possible to say yes, say yes. Michelle laughs at me because one of my principles of being a dad is I want to say yes unless I have a good reason to say no. And I feel like that's the way we ought to interact with the Spirit of God also. Say yes. Unless you have a good reason to say no, and you're living into your calling by doing that. There is not a single person in this room right now that has not been called by God. I hope you believe that. Every single one of you has been called by God. And the better part of it is every single one of us are known by God. Did you hear what the prophet, what God said to the prophet? I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I made you a prophet to the nations. Now, we have not been made prophets to the nations. But we are known. And we are called. Just as we're called, we're called to live life fully in the midst of whatever turmoil is around us. How many of you remember the recession of 2007-2008? The summer of 2006, I was sitting um, on a bench at Sacramento Methodist Camp next to an old man named Tex Sample. Tex Sample is the longest tenured professor of St. Paul School of Theology in Kansas City. 
And I believe with my whole heart he is a real life prophet. He had told me story after story about marching with Martin Luther King Jr. He told stories that, I mean, as soon as he would start talking, everybody in the room would just be locked in on him. And then at the end of the story, everybody in the room would be crying, like tears of joy at how much God loved them. But I was sitting next to Tex, and I said, hey, you did all this stuff in the civil rights movement. You were really active with things in the, even the 80s and 90s. What's next? What do you think is going to happen next? And it was 2006, and he said, Ross, if we don't fix our greed issue, if we don't get over ourselves and start being willing to share and start chasing it and stop chasing after every penny that appears, we're, we're going to collapse. Our economy can't hold this level of sin. And a year later, we came close to a collapse of our economy. People that I was going to church with in Denver lost their retirement. Students that I knew in seminary had to leave school because they had to go back to work because they couldn't make ends meet and they were going to lose their houses. There was an epidemic in Denver of homeless students who were living in motel rooms because their parents couldn't afford to come up with the down payment for the rent because they had to have first and last month's rent and they couldn't do it. At one point, there were over 30% of the students in one particular part of Denver that were homeless. But you would walk into churches and know people were struggling and they were still living. They were still going at it wholeheartedly. And some of you are those types of people that you've been through that, you know what it's like. This last Friday, I was in Sacramento again at the Methodist camp there. And I was talking to a lady who I've known for a couple of years and heard the story of her uh, being diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis in her 30s. And I had always kind of wondered why her hands were curled up a little and her joints were really big and she, it was difficult for her to walk sometimes. And she said that as her body started to be disfigured, she had this moment where she said to God, I don't even know who I am anymore because she couldn't do all of the things that she wanted to do. And she sensed God saying to her, I know who you are. You're my child and you're beloved. she said that she sensed God say to her, but are you still a disciple? Because if you are, I've got a lot of work for you to do. Sometimes when the river is ice, ask me mistakes I've made. Ask me whether what I've done is my life. We are all known and we are all beloved. And we're all called to specific tasks, regardless of our circumstances. And here's another good truth. God will supply us with every single thing we need to fulfill the calling that God has placed on our life. And when we live into our calling, it will be good for us good for the household of God, but more than that, it will be good for every person that we encounter. Ask me whether what I have done is my life, because the answer to that question means nothing less than everything. In the name of the Father,
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. May we be made aware of the lives that we're supposed to live. And may we have the courage to 